Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. Oh my God. <laughs> How are you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? He's looking at me like he's going to kill me and eat me. Uh, we're going beyond fun. Um, <laughs> not much. It's been a good week here. It is January 25th, 1997. I think you want to be Wolfman Jack. What? <laughs> I think you want to be Wolfman Jack. You think I want to be in uh, American Graffiti? I don't know. Is that a character in American Graffiti? Cause it's not a character in American Graffiti. Wolfman Jack's a real person. Oh. And he had a cameo in American Graffiti. He's a DJ, right? He was, yeah. yeah. Not anymore. In the 70s. In the, f- yeah, 50s to the 70s. Okay. 70s was when American Graffiti came out. You remember? I never saw that movie. With Ron- Ronald Howard. And uh, Richard Dreyfuss is in it. The point is... Harrison Ford has a cameo in it. That you're trying to do this, like, bedroom voice, deep voice, what? weird uh, voice thing. What are you I don't talking know. about? This is my voice. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, that's your voice, but when you're announcing the show, it's like, hey, what's up? Don't you think the people want a little variety? Here, let me let, let me do it the way you do the end of the show. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Massive Life Fee. It's Mark. What the fuck? <laughs> That's how you do the end of the show. Fuck off. <laughs> well, yeah, so you get to say fuck off to me, but you're making fun of me, but I can't make fun of you. That's correct. <laughs> That's absolutely the way that works. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. I thought so. How was your week? Did you do anything interesting? Um, do you have any 1997 fun this week? <laughs> My week's been fine. I mean, I don't know. I, I couldn't sleep very well last night, so I'm kind of tired now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I don't know. We're planning on going bowling. We had a party. Plan. We had a party. Yeah, we did. <laughs> it was fun. We had a party. We had people come over because uh, of our new apartment. Yeah. So, I don't know. That was it. All that right. was our exciting, exciting week. Chatty this week, huh? <laughs> well, I'm tired. You know how it is. Yep, I do. <laughs> it's my brain on, uh, cool. not on drugs, but... Uh, Sleep deprivation? There you go. <laughs> um, What about uh, Chris Farley? What about him? Would you like to imp- embrace Chris Farley? No, not particularly. Oh, come on. He's a big teddy bear. Sure. Well, Chris Farley is embracing stardom in a big way. When Chris, or you're not stardom, I guess. I guess not. When Chris Farley, when Chris Farley sits down upstairs at Planet Hollywood, his manager has already laid out Farley's Marlboros and lighter. <laughs> that's why big stars. Nice. That's why big stars have managers. The manager is not sure what Chris might want to drink, 
So he buys bo- or lays out both coffee and water. Why do I keep saying lays out? How do you because lay out coffee? He's, he's it's not clothes. He's, it's like a presentation. It's laid out before him. A set out. Yeah. I would say set out because laid out implies, I don't know. That sounds Sex, like clothes. what? Sounds like clothes. <laughs> Jeez. Farley has just come from working the dining room at Planet Hollywood. It wasn't supposed to be a gig, just a crowd wave. But Farley turned it into a show because that's the way he is. It's nice. It's noon on a work day, but a big crowd of his fans is still milling outside the celebrity restaurant for a glimpse of the man. Some persistent fans have worked their way past the guards at the door for a chance to see or touch Farley. I I don't get it. Like, and not just with him, like any celebrity. Like, I would never, like, be like, oh, I've got to get close and touch them. Like, what do you think their special is going to rub off on you? It's not. Yeah, you wouldn't want to touch Brad Pitt, that's for sure. It's not magical fairy dust. And uh, I didn't say that, but not because I think that... You said any celebrity. Okay, I wouldn't try to touch them just because they're famous. So you'd like Brad Pitt's fairy dust sprayed all over you? Sure. (laughs) That's so gross. Well, you said sure. I like Chris Farley. I know you don't like Chris Farley for whatever reason. Remember when Because he's not that funny. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, he sounds like a nice dude. You're but... insane. Yep. Remember, uh, like, three years ago, we started this show, and uh, we we did that movie Airheads? Uh-huh. Yeah, he was in that. I don't remember. Yeah, Brendan Fraser was in it. He was in it. He was a security guard. Okay. And Adam Sandler was in it. Yeah, I remember Brendan Fraser and Adam Sandler. Brendan. Brendan. Not Brandon. We need <laughs> Is to play it Brendan or, or Brandon, Brandon again. <laughs> we should bring that back. Farley gets mobbed by his fans, and he mobs them right back. Oh. Farley does nothing in a small way. He shouts to his fans. He cheers. He he smugs. He gets what the them. fuck does that mean? Mugs, you know, like mugs for the camera. Makes faces. Oh, I thought you said he smugs. <laughs> he smugs. <laughs> he signs everything in sight. This dude is just a fucking superstar. He's become a huge celebrity. Yeah. And you hate him. I don't hate him. I just don't think he's that funny. I think you're the only person in the world <laughs> that has that opinion. Okay. I don't mind being different. Yeah. Well, you're definitely different. <laughs> no one could see those looks that we just gave each other. Oh, speaking of uh, different, I'm debating about whether or not to dye my hair uh, pink or blue or purple. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I like purple, but it's up to you. Well, obviously it's up to me. What do you? What do you fans think out there? Yeah, I'd like to know. You could tell me. Yeah. You know what Let else? No. Blue, <laughs> blue, pink, or purple. You know what else um, the fans could do? That'd be so cool. No, I don't. Well, you know how my little niece is selling Girl Scout cookies? Yes, I do. I think that, you know, maybe there could be like a link on the website where they could buy Girl Scout cookies to help sure. her out. So look for that. I don't know how I will get that done. 
but <laughs> we'll figure it out. If uh, yeah, if you go to the website, maybe I can. I don't know. You can pull up a digital order form or something like that. I don't know. I don't know how the hell to do it. But look at the go to uh, retrolatefee.com if you want some delicious Girl Scout cookies. You can support Carol's niece. Yeah, Bella's troop. Bella's troop, whatever that means. Bella's corner. Oh, Bella's troop. Yeah. What the fuck? Uh, what? <laughs> Listen to this. Nick TV Land to go back to 72 lineup. What? Surfing your cable system with your remote control on Friday night can be hazardous to your mental health. Tonight you may think you've entered the twilight zone when you discover you've tuned in on ABC in the fall of 1972. Actually, you're more likely to have stumbled onto the TV land time warp, a stroke of programming genius, okay, debatable, by those goofy dudes who run Cable's Nick at Night and its new sister channel, TV Land. They've magically recreated the ABC Friday Night lineup 25 years before TGIF's programs complete. So it's 20, it's exactly 25 years ago. Um, complete with retro commercials, the actual commercials from the period. So what they've decided to do is for some reason, TV Land and uh, Nick at Night has said what they're going to do is uh, for the Friday night lineup, they're going to have ABC's Friday night lineup from 1972, exactly 25 years ago Hmm. with all the commercials. What a weird idea. That is very weird. Sounds, I don't think anybody would like that. Yeah, that sounds really dumb. I mean, uh, these these TV shows, these commercials, these products, you know, any news that they're going to have or anything, it's 25 years old. Right? Who gives a shit? Yeah, I wouldn't watch that at all. Well, if you're interested, uh, tonight's lineup is 8 p.m. The Brady Bunch. Ugh. 8.30, The Partridge Family. Ooh. 9 p.m., Room 222. 9.30, The Odd Couple. And then 10 p.m., It's Love American Style. Wow, I've never even heard of that. You've, oh, really? Love American Style. Of course you have, Grandpa. <laughs> Come on. It was a, a it was a, um, like an anthology type show where it was different guest stars, different stories, uh, each week, there was not like it wasn't like a continuing narrative. It wasn't didn't follow one one person. It was just like different people each week. Gotcha. Stories of love or whatever you know, like like a little half hour romances. I love guess American style. That's what the seventies were like. Oh yeah, all about the love. Twenty five years ago. So, if you're interested in that for whatever godforsaken reason, uh, entertainment from twenty five years ago. You can uh, check out Nick at Night in TV land. <laughs> but speaking of entertainment, from now, we watched a, uh, a televisual. No, we didn't. We watched, what the fuck? <laughs> we watched a movie. We watched Did you a, forget we went to the movie theater? We watched a, a kinescope movie. Kinescope? Yeah. That's, what does that mean? Kinescope is uh, the old uh, way that they used to film <laughs> Okay, so we didn't do that. Um, you know, kino, kino, that's uh, French for cinema, for movie. Okay. Kino, kinoscope. Cool. Um, thank you for that French lesson. I, yeah, I'm, I'm welcome, you're welcome for that French <laughs> lesson. Shut up. 
We watched uh, The People versus Larry Flint. Yeah. Which was way smuttier than I realized. Now, who do you think won, Carol? The People or Larry Flint? I mean... It's debatable. Yeah, well, I mean... I In one corner, we have Larry Flint. In the other corner, all the other people. <laughs> Seems like he took on a lot. Um, I mean... Okay, all the people that were mad at him, mm-hmm. they kind of won, I guess, when he got shot and paralyzed. <laughs> but in the end... That's what Charles Keating wanted. Right. That piece of shit. But in the end, I mean, he won because they won their Supreme Court case, and, yeah. you know, he was a millionaire and stuff, so... Right. Yeah, and he's still alive and a millionaire, and... I mean, his, his wife's not alive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's like alone and in a wheelchair, so well, I, that I, sucks. I think he has some some women or whatever. Well, I'm sure, but I mean, he probably misses his wife. Yeah, that's so. Technically, that's his third. That was his third wife. Okay, he, he was divorced twice, and then married to her for uh, I from I believe seventy eight. I want to say until. 87 when she died um also oh by the way obviously spoilers for uh, (laughs) the people versus larry flynn but i mean this is also like a true story movie so like there's real life spoilers out there anyway he he ran for president in 1984 no yes they gloss over that i didn't even see them do that they didn't they okay they not i mean what i mean by gloss over it is they completely eliminate (laughs) that now he didn't like he didn't even come close. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. He didn't win a primary. He didn't. I don't remember exactly. This was a while ago. Uh, like eleven. Uh, no. Wow. Um, Thirteen years ago. But I don't remember exactly a lot about it. But he didn't. Like I said, he didn't get close. Right. But he ran as a Democrat for uh, the presidency of the United States. He is a Democrat. Uh, he supports uh, Bill Clinton and like you know Democratic stuff, um, and I'm not gonna. It's gonna be hard to not get into politics. Everybody, sorry, you know, getting into politics, but uh, it's gonna be difficult in this. We're talking about this movie to not get into politics at least a you little know, bit. Just because one asshole wrote something about us talking about politics <laughs> doesn't mean that every time it comes up, you need to apologize. But anyway, so. Yeah, he ran for president. They 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 cut that out, and he he did a lot of other stuff that that's not it's not all in here. Obviously, they also cut out like important plot points, like that we there was a lot of things they just assumed that we knew. Well, what was weird is he talked normally, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, Woody Harrelson decided he was going to start talking like this, right? Well, I I was confused. I had no idea, right? Mm-hmm. I know I've seen I haven't seen interviews with Larry Flint from I okay, so in case you guys don't know, Larry Flint is the the head of uh the Hustler magazine. He started Hustler magazine. The first magazine to show uh God's creation the, as he calls it the <laughs> vagina. Um so that's who he is. And I didn't have never seen interviews with him when he was able-bodied, when he walked before, when he was younger. 
I've seen some interviews with him after he was confined to his wheelchair, and he did talk like this. But it just came out of nowhere. It wasn't explained in any way. It just seemed like a weird choice that Woody Harrelson made, right? I did some research. I went to the library. I looked up some encyclopedia shit and stuff okay. like that. I, I got a couple uh, biographies of Larry Flint mm-hmm. and did my research, people. He you had a stroke. In... Oh. He had a stroke at some point. But they didn't bother to tell us that. But they never told us he had a stroke. What the fuck? When they get to that point in his life, after he had his stroke, Woody Harrelson starts talking like that because that's how he talked after he had his stroke, but they never explain that's why. Right. They never see his stroke. That's fucked up. Like, why would they not tell us that? And they, at one point, he gets shot. He starts taking drugs for the pain. He, he has a bank vault that is his door to to his bedroom, which is really weird. They close it. And like four years goes by. <laughs> it's one of those old, uh, those old clocks with the mm-hmm. flippy things, you know, the flippy numbers. And it just flips uh, over like, and that glosses over his stroke, glosses over his presidential run. That happened during the time period where yes. it seems like all they were doing was laying in bed and doing drugs. Correct. That's wow. what the. That's what it seems like from the movie. That's all they did for for four years or or whatever, five years. But no, other things happened. I wonder if he's embarrassed about having run for the presidency and that's why he didn't want in the movie or something. I don't know how much uh, control he had over this. Mm -hmm. I I don't think he wrote this movie. And I know uh, Milos Forman uh, is a pretty hands-on director. So I assume he... He's a great director. I don't want to, you know, don't want to question him or anything like that. But I I question some of the choices uh, in this movie. But yeah, uh, I, I, I think there's just too much, honestly. For them to focus on. I think they really wanted to focus more on his legal battles. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what they did focus on. Speaking of legal battles, though, they dropped the ball there, too. Because he gets arrested towards the beginning of the movie and sentenced to 26 years. 25. 25 years. Mm -hmm. And then he's just out. Because that judge was a fucking piece of shit. (laughs) Like, everyone's... So here's the thing. Larry, Larry Flint's probably not a great guy probably not him and and his wife both seem like they're not stellar people but at the same time they're sympathetic characters well they're sympathetic characters because everyone that's against them is a monster (laughs) right like charles keating who i knew before they told us this but was a huge figure in the savings and loan scandal like he swindled people out of fucking millions and millions of dollars cost the taxpayer like taxpayers like a billion dollars oh my god that yeah, he's a piece of shit. Um, Jerry Falwell, you know, there are some things about him that people may consider not great. Like kind of how he talked about how uh, AIDS was a plague on uh, gay people and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Not the, you know, not something I, I necessarily endorse, right? Very conservative, Bible Belt kind of dude. Yeah, but even so, like, I mean, just I don't like the hatefulness and... Mm-hmm. And saying the hatefulness with his little cheruby smile, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. I don't know. Um, so a lot of these people don't come across as very sympathetic. Right. A lot of them come across as very, I don't know, ignorant. And then you've got Edward Norton doing a great job. Yeah, he did a fantastic job. Explaining uh, Larry Flint's point of view. But... Let me tell you something. Hmm. Uh, 
uh, what's his name? Woody from Cheers. Right. Can act. Woody Woody Harrelson. Yeah, that dude can act. Yeah. I didn't realize. <laughs> it was very weird to, to see him and doing such a great role. But, I mean, he, I, I kind of knew he could act because, like, Natural Born Killers, like, I think he did a pretty damn good job of that. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. But, I mean, this is the first time, like... I don't know that that was more like a character. Caric- I can never say that caricature? word. Caricature. Yes, and this was more serious. You know. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, he's got he's a lot. There's a lot of range to this character. Yeah. What did you? Because he goes through his whole uh, uh, Jimmy Carter's sister. What was up with that bullshit? By the way, I don't know. Like, see, go he had this like religious conversion before he gets shot, and. What do you think was up with her? I think she wanted to fuck him, like, do very much. Was, do you think she was, like, a, a secret pervert or yes. something? Yeah, I mean, why else would she call up the, you know, the hustler dude, be like, hey, let's be friends. You know what's great about people like us? We can do anything we want. Hey, I'm all about sexual revelations. Like, come on. Yeah, it was weird. Sexual I, revelations, huh? I, so what'd she say? Did I get it wrong? <laughs> That's like... uh when um, the seventh seal opens, and, oh, uh, and the nymphos come out, or whatever, right? <laughs> I don't know. She seemed dirty. She did, and I don't know if she was in real life. We're not making any judgments about Jimmy Carter's sister in real life, but in this movie, as depicted, she seemed like. I don't know. She really did seem like she wanted something, like she yearned for something. Yeah. And then you got Courtney Love. She did a fantastic job. Yeah, Courtney Love was very good in the movie, uh, playing a drug addict. Um, Very big stretch for her. She She didn't start out as a drug addict, though. No, no. And, like, her character, I think, is the most sympathetic character in in the thing. Well, yeah, because she... Her father shot her entire family. She had to identify all their bodies. She got taken to an orphanage. The nuns sexually assaulted her. And then she became a stripper at 17. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a (laughs) lot of shit that happened. It's no wonder that she was already, you know, pretty damn crazy. And then just got more so. Courtney Love's got those crazy eyes. I, I love her face. I don't know if that's her acting or if it's or if it's just her her eyes, but right. she, she's got those <laughs> intense like Yes. What do you well fuck you, Larry? You know? Like, yeah. Do you think he was abusive to her? In real life? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't remember hearing or seeing anything about that, so no. I mean in the movie there was that one scene where he like shoved her face away or whatever. Yeah, he shoved you her know. he shoved her He's face really away her. once and she said, Don't ever hit me or talk to me like that again and I don't think he did for the rest of the movie. Yeah. So after she got AIDS, which apparently they don't explain this in the movie either, but apparently she got AIDS from or at least according to Larry, from a uh, tainted blood supply. Which happened a lot in the 80s. Yeah. Before they knew how to test and all that stuff. Uh, so that's the way she got it, because he said she always used clean needles. Although, I mean, here's the thing, though. She was having a lot of sex with other women. 
Yeah. And I mean, no other guys though. Yeah, but I mean, there's got to be some risk still for AIDS, even you know, with women. I guess, but as depicted in the movie, Larry was sharing a lot of that, and he didn't get AIDS. That's true. Huh. So I'm not exactly sure, but it seemed like it happened after his paralyzation. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like there's any evidence she cheated on him, so I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, she so she gets AIDS, and no one at the place, the hustler, whatever, the hierarchy, will shake her hand, she yeah. says. So, at, so after that, he fires all of them. People are such assholes. Oh, yeah. But... It, this is this movie's kind of hard to talk about, honestly, because there's so there's so much that happens and so much of it is is disjointed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it sounds like we're all over the place, the movie is all over the place. Yeah, there's it's because it's kind of a series of court cases and little things that happen in between court cases. Yeah, and at first, this is what I'll say. It seems like at least what the movie's saying. I don't know. I didn't. I read some of his biographies and stuff like that, but I didn't really go hugely deep into his life. We didn't have a lot of time before right. we started recording. But it seems like what the movie is saying is at the beginning, he was he was a person that you know created this magazine opportunistically, really not trying to necessarily be a trailblazer or make any right. kind of point or anything like that. And he got hooked up with this lawyer because he was getting sued, and the lawyer was because he was being because he was popular, and this lawyer was uh, was like, "Hey, you know, this is a First Amendment issue," and it seemed like Larry Flint was right on with that. Like, yes, yes, this is we we have a First Amendment right, and he was very much trying to fight for his First Amendment rights and everyone's First Amendment yeah. rights. At one point, he goes down to Georgia to get arrested selling a Hustler magazine to protect the rights of everyone else so that he could actually have a court case there and fight on their behalf for their ability to sell his magazine in Georgia. As time went on, (laughs) he just became more and more crazy. Oh, yeah. When he's got that John DeLorean uh, tape, which I do think my mom always said, too, that she thought, that it was bullshit the way what they did to John DeLorean because <laughs> it's entrapment. They set him up. His car sales weren't doing well. He needed money. His dream was the, his this car company, and they he needed money desperately. And someone from the FBI came up to him and was like, "Hey, you want to make some money? You know, hey, how about some cocaine? Like selling right. cocaine with us and stuff like that." And it's like that was a crime he wasn't going to commit until they. Oh, that's that awful. Yeah, that's called entrapment. Wow. Yeah, so it's bullshit what they did to him. Um, but anyway, so they, uh, so he's got that tape, and then he's just, I can understand him not wanting to give up his source, but he could simply go there and say, I'm not, I'm not going to reveal my source. But, but he's bored. That's what I really think is fueling a lot of it. Okay. Because, so explain your theory on this, because it's interesting. Well, no, I mean, like, he's rich, but he's also, like, disabled, and his wife is, like, hooked on drugs and basically a zombie. So he's just, like, hanging out until he goes to these court cases, and, mm-hmm. like, this is his chance to get in the limelight and have something to do and a sense of purpose. So he acts like a fool. You, so you think it's, like, a performative type thing? Yeah. 
What do you think? Well, uh, some of the stuff that I read. Um, now, I don't think you're. I don't think you're wrong necessarily. I think your theory is probably correct. But he does apparently have uh, some bipolar okay. disorder. I don't know if that comes across exactly in the movie, but that's apparently something that he suffers with. So. Well, then I guess the judge wasn't entirely wrong when they sentenced him to 15 months in the psychiatric hospital. Right. It's crazy. That's so long. As far as the, so as far as the story goes, the story's fine. The structure of this movie is so weird, though. Like we said, it's not really a three-act structure. There's no, there's a, the culmination is the Jerry Falwell case, but it comes up later. Uh, that's the one that gets to the Supreme Court. It, there, a lot of it is just, it's a really, it's, so it's a biopic, and sometimes those can be a little more disjointed than than regular stories. Sometimes those are hard to be three-act structures. Right. But this one's really very choppy. Yeah, it's more like an eight-act structure. <laughs> right. And so the the structure of it's odd. And I don't know that it fits. I mean, tonally, it's pretty consistent throughout. There's lots of nudity. You want to see Courtney Love's tits? Yeah. I mean, they're all. It's all over this movie. One thing, though, I gotta say, the music in this movie pissed me off. Oh, I mean, I was gonna bring that up. There were some really great acting moments going on with some fucking outlandish music that did not fit, and it ruined the scene. Like when she was dying and he's thrown his, himself out of his chair trying to fish her body out of the fucking gigantic swimming pool slash bathtub. Mm-hmm. And they've got this like crazy like, I, I don't even, like it you sounded know, like a church choir so loud. You know Did what, not fit. You know what word occurred to me several times what? listening to this music? Bombastic. Okay. This this music was bombastic, and you're right; it didn't fit at all. When she's dying, and he's like he's tearing his eyes out, crying, trying to pull himself out of his chair, dive into the water, knowing his legs don't work at all, trying to fish her out of there, hoping that she's alive, propping her her eyes open, like saying no, you know, and all this stuff. It's intense and intimate and the music does not reflect that at all and the music made me know i was watching them acting yeah it's like it's like uh if i was saying like oh you know carol um i have to tell you about uh you know how much i love you and, and and but it's just you know the the intensity of of our love is, you know, like, and then in the background is, it's like, it's, it's nuts. Like you said, it's, it is very church like. And I don't know if it was, if they were trying to go for like that, you know, that church bell clanging, like it's going to be a funeral, like bong, bong, like a citizen Kane type thing or something like that. But when citizen Kane's like says, first of all, there's no music when he goes rosebud. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very clearly rosebud, you know, and then as he drops it and it breaks, it's and like dirge and all that kind of music, which makes sense right. for the aftermath of this scene. And if they've started that, that music started in the aftermath of, of all the acting they were doing, 
that would make a little more sense, I guess. But it didn't, and it needed subtlety. Yeah. The acting is subtle. The music needs to be subtle to match the scene. The music didn't match the scene at all, and that happened a lot. Yeah, this was just the like movie. the most glaring example, but yeah, it happened many times. Yeah, because there were many times that I thought, well, you brought it up, but I was thinking it before you even brought it up when we were watching it. She leans over to me in the theater, and she was like, this music. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, bombastic. That, that thought just kept coming to my mind. It was like, this is too much. The music always overpowers the scenes. And yeah. it's no good. So they left a bunch of shit out as far as information that we yes. needed to understand what was going on. Because like you said, he gets sentenced. To, I think we kind of threw that away, but he gets sentenced to 25 years. And then Edward Norton says, oh, this will never stick. Or, I mean, he actually, we don't even hear him say that. Courtney Love says that to Althea, says that to, to Larry Flint. She's yeah. like, oh, he says it won't stick. And then he's just out. Then we, we cut to like six months later, uh-huh. and he's just out of jail. She held up a piece of paper mm-hmm. against the glass when she was talking to him in that scene before he's out. Mm-hmm. It said something, but I couldn't read it. I don't know. Could you? I no. don't think anyone it could. It was gone way too fast. So I, I feel like maybe there was vital information there that we didn't get. <laughs> it was it was a page of the screenplay that got ripped out or something <laughs> right? like that. Yeah, I don't I don't know, but yeah, it went way too quick. It was like there and gone. Yeah, and it's like when he was out, even when they first addressed that he's out, they're talking about how he's there to do a thing, like some it was like some kind of public event. And I thought maybe he's just out for that. Yeah, because they said straight from jail, and I thought it was gonna be like, is he gonna be on closed caption TV or whatever? But no, he's just there and then there's no explanation about that at all. So I guess they appealed it, and it got overturned, but we don't see any of that. And the thing is, is we don't necessarily need to see an appellate trial or whatever, right. but explain it. Yeah. Say, hey, so glad we won that appeal. Yeah. I mean, that's something, all you got to do. Something like that. So we know, it's like, because it's too, it jerks from yeah. too many things. It's like, what is going on? It, it is a disorienting film. <laughs> so I had some problems with it there. The acting is top notch. Oh yeah, so. fantastic! And uh, one of the greatest actors in the world, Norm Macdonald, is in the movie for about five seconds. <laughs> I'm not sure why it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> like he's, I mean, he's not famous enough where I think it's distracting. But I don't know why Milos Forman was like, yeah, this we got to get this kid in to do this. But he's good. I mean, for the five seconds he's in the movie, yeah. Because he, he's the one that the, works at CBS. He's not even named. That's, um, that gets the John DeLorean tape. But he, he's he got a couple looks. And I was like, yeah, Norm MacDonald. I love Norm MacDonald. I know so. you do, baby. Uh, I feel like he would be a threat to me. <laughs> no, don't worry. He's a deeply closeted gay man. Okay. Um, so, anyway. But yeah, the acting's really good in the movie. Uh, but a lot of the rest of the stuff around it kind of falls flat. Mm-hmm. I I liked the movie in general, 
But I think I liked it because of Woody Harrelson and Courtney Love. Mm-hmm. I think, and Edward Norton. Yeah, and Edward Norton. I think their chemistry on screen and their acting on screen really put this movie on their back. The dad from Back to the Future, what's his name, Crispin Glover, is just in here too, like with a bad eye for no reason. That's who that was? That was Crispin Glover, yeah. I mean, obviously the character he was portraying must have had a bad eye. Yes. But, yeah, it doesn't really ever come up. But I didn't recognize him at all. He's a weird, weird dude. Hmm. He is such a weird guy. I've seen him on David Letterman before, like kicking, almost kicking David Letterman in the face and stuff like that. He's just a weird guy. But anyway, um, but yeah, so there's just, there's some strange people in here. That dude that was on the subway in Ghost, mm-hmm. remember the ghost that taught yeah. him how to be a ghost that could touch things? Yeah. Yeah, he was in this movie too. Can you imagine what the set must have been like? Oh yeah, it must have been crazy. <laughs> Courtney Love and, and Woody Harrelson definitely smoked pot together. Oh yeah, and then you've got like Norm MacDonald and... Um... Oh, I'll bet you that... Um, I'll bet you that uh, Crispin Glover was part of that, too, because I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure he's into some kind of drugs or something. So, yeah, so you got all these uh, crazy personalities and drugs probably running around. But, but like I said, they're really good in it. Yes. And it kind of it carries it enough for me, I think, that I really enjoyed it. But there are so many things from the structure to the actual screenplay to the music that really... Yeah, that really are drag this movie down. It prevents it from being great, right? And I think, and I hate to say it because Milos Forman is a great is a great director, but I just swing and a miss. I mean, I think so. I I still think the movie's good, but I just think I, I think the failures come from the the script writing stage and the directing stage, honestly. Uh, because I just think it's not it's not cohesive enough yeah. of a thing. Uh, the cinematography is good. The movie looks good. Good depth of field. Yeah. Oh. For sure. I mean, it's nothing that I'm like, wow, I'm blown away by it. But it's, it's good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's... And the pacing's a little... Pacing's a little because, the, because the movie's so herky-jerky, the pacing's a little scant, I think. Okay. I think there are slow parts in the movie. I didn't really feel that. You know, I get bored pretty easily, and I I, I didn't really feel bored at any point. I think the in the mid there's kind of it's kind of sluggish in the middle. I think. Okay. It has it has a lot of narrative drive at the beginning the movie, and then it picks up the pace well towards the end as they come to the Supreme Court and everything, and then in the middle I think it kind of gets bogged down a little bit. Uh, but one of my favorite scenes, honestly, besides Woody Harrelson finding her dead, I mean, that's a fantastic scene. But one of my favorite scenes is, is Edward Norton with the Supreme Court justices. Yeah. And I know it's a lot of people doing, you know, their best impersonation of Supreme Court justices. Right. But it's it's good, it, and it feels natural. Everything... The back and forth between the justices, between uh, Edward Norton, it all feels very easy, very natural, very realistic. And I really liked that. Yeah, it was the first courtroom scene that didn't feel uh, uncomfortable and a little scary. Because it was the first courtroom scene where where 
Woody Harrelson as Larry Flint like puts his hand over his mouth like mm-hmm. I'm not saying anything. This is your ball game or whatever. Yeah. And lets him handle it. Yeah, interesting. It's not I can't really call it like a courtroom drama. No. I, it's know, a biography. Yeah, it's definitely a biography, but it's 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 messy. I'm not going to say it's a mess, <laughs> but it's messy. Yeah. But I still like it. It still has enough for me, and I think I would still recommend it. It's close, but I think I would still recommend it. If you want to see a lot of uh, Courtney Love naked, mm-hmm. then, it's definitely the movie for you. Yeah, because that that I mean, really, I think she probably spends about fifty percent of her screen time naked. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, but what about as a movie? Would you recommend it? Because, like I said, for me, it's. I'm very on. I'm very close to the fence on it. I don't think I could go so far as to recommend it. I, I mean, I would say it's not bad, but to say I recommend you see it, no. Yeah, it's almost. It almost might be worth just waiting for it to come to to video to to VHS. And then when she dies, you can just turn the volume down, <laughs> right? Maybe you can pause it when uh, she puts that note on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, look, he gets out because of an appeal. Uh, later in his life, he's going to have a stroke. Uh, it's, just, <laughs> it's all the information you need on there. Exactly. He suffers from bipolar disorder. Undiagnosed for years. <laughs> I got AIDS from a uh, trans- transfusion. Thank you for taking the time to do all that library research digging in those card catalogs for us oh you're welcome yeah i wanted to like i wanted to make a little bit more sense of this but that's the thing is um you shouldn't have to do a research project for a movie right the movie should make sense all on its own yeah and i mean there were things that did make sense about the movie but there were many many things that did not yeah and yeah i just I, I'm I'm leaning more towards not recommending it. I'm leaning more towards just saying, I think it's one of those ones you want to wait for VHS. There's nothing that about this that is enhanced by going to see it in a in a movie. Yeah, that's true. Next week we're going to see uh, the original Star Wars re-released into theaters. Obvious, like I did not see it in 1977 when it came out. Well, yeah, because originally, so. <laughs> Uh, I am excited because this will be my first time to see it in the theater. Yep, me too. I'm very excited. I've always wanted to see it in the theater. All right. Well, that is our episode for the week. Carol, tell them. So, like I already said, go to our website, www.retroleafy.com. Look for cookies. And um, you can also write us at latefee1994 at AOL.com. All right. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.